that Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. You will rest in peace. So let The Rock understand this. Y2J, tonight, you actually think that you're going to become the number one contender for the WWF title? Not just think, I... It doesn't matter what you think! Finn Balor! Can he somehow pull off his own miracle in Tokyo? Coup de gras! Is it enough? Cover! Pump of the leg! Oh no, it's... He got it! Finn Balor's champion! Finn Balor is NXT champion! Welcome along to chapter 27 of What's the Story Podcast. 27, lads. 27? 26. No, no, 26 was Tim Pat Coogan last week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that you were there for. Yeah. Remember when we spoke to your man who wrote, writes books? Yeah, I forgot. I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant. We're off to a good start. It's a new year and we're already back to our old ways. Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, I'm joined, as always, by the one and only Graham Merrill Merrigan. How are you, Danny? You well? Great, great, brillo. Brilliant. And Lindsay Danger Doyle. Hi, guys. Story. Couldn't think of a better way to start my year. Than looking at her, <laughs> beautiful faces. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, this is the first time we've been in a room together in what, like two weeks, three weeks? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Since Fawn and Gary Mackle. Since Fawn and Gary Mackle, that was good. That was good fun, that thing. I tried to prank him yesterday, but I bottled it. I hung up. Awful prankster. Eh. <laughs> uh, Graham's very nervous. Why? Because I guessed. I'm not nervous. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fanning me out. <laughs> this is amazing. Fanboy. This is amazing. Texting me at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm going, oh, OMG, OMG. Oh, I'm on a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to oh, sleep. He was asleep at 3am, I'm sure. <laughs> only messing, Grant. Uh, I guess this is amazing. This this is probably one of our biggest guests. Um, up there. What's, oh, do you know what? It's up ahead of child, I think. Absolutely ahead of child. Yeah. If he was if he wasn't Irish, it wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, our guest this week is uh, WWE NXT superstar uh, champion yeah. and uh, all-round legend from Bray County Wicklow, Finn Balor, uh, aka Fergal Deva. Fergal, thanks for being for joining us, man. Thanks for having us on, <laughs> and uh, like to wish us all a happy New Year here on <laughs> January first. Yeah, yeah, happy New Year, man. Great um, way to start the year. Oh, man. Never thought. <laughs> if you said to me two, three weeks ago, you're picking up. Uh, Finn Balor, uh, <laughs> down in Bray, uh, at half eleven on New Year's Day to do the interview, I would tell you to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Like it's, it's, it's mad though, right? Because like this is I seen that car outside from about eight o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so he was that across the road. That's a bit weird. <laughs> That's it. Flask of tea and sandwiches and all. <laughs> Just knows what's happened. We dropped down last night. <laughs> Just to be sure. Just to be sure. You don't, you don't like recon, did you? Yeah. Just, that's where it is. Okay, and now we're not going. 
But uh, yeah, it's, it. It, it's amazing, like because I can't imagine you get too much time off, and yet you've decided to give us a couple of hours. Which thanks a million, man. That's <laughs> that's crazy good. Like that's you know um, well appreciated. Absolutely. I suppose like we're not going to bother with housekeeping right because this is a this is a marquee guest, lads. Right, too much so going on. we'll just jump straight in, right? So I suppose for people who be listening who aren't from Ireland and don't realise what Bray is, <laughs> Bray is like the Irish equivalent of Florida. It's kind of got, <laughs> got ten parks, you know is what I mean? That's a bit of a stretch, is it? Oh, it's got the seaside. <laughs> it's got kind of ten park type stuff. You know what I mean? And plenty of shopping. <laughs> Does it? And they, also, they have a gelato Tesco's. place. Tesco's. I was down there the other day walking the dog and they have now got a Geno's gelato. Yeah. And they've, they've sea life is excellent. I love sea life. Sea life, sea life is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was there. Yeah, seahorses and all that class. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. See, so that's our version of Sea World. <laughs> Bray, Bray Bowl is effectively universal. You know what I mean? <laughs> Bray Wonders. Bray, I was going to say Bray Wonders. Dolphins. Exactly. <laughs> Man, the seagulls. So that's our bit for tourism. Bray done. Taking yeah. <laughs> all the boxes, man. For uh, like, so, so, we'll jump straight in. Like growing up in Bray, like. Because we all grew up in Ballybrack, which is, you know, a couple of minutes up the road. Yeah. I loved wrestling growing up, like. And I'm, I, like, sports entertainment, as they say now, but it's wrestling, like. I loved it. How, how man, how did you get into it in the first place? Uh, I was just the same as everyone else, like, mad into it um, on the telly, you know? Like, yeah. I can still remember, like, the real early days of, like, when it was still on... UTV or ITV and it was like Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks oh, and all like yeah. I can still remember that like watching that with my granddad like when I was maybe four yeah. or five but then that went off the telly and then like Sean Mooney came on on uh, Sky One or <laughs> yeah. I think it was just Sky at the time yeah, maybe Sky, yeah. and uh, and uh, I was just like sucked in like everyone else and something Smart. like I was always mad into sports but there was there was no wrestling in Ireland you know so yeah, that, it was just something, something that uh, something that you know so well, we're all watching it on our on our couches we were like, oh, I wish I was going to WrestleMania one day. Yeah. You actually got up and did it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I uh, I played with Wolf Town soccer and I played uh, with Bram at Gaelic and uh, there was no wrestling. And it was the only thing I was really interested in, you know, all through school and everything and then art, like all my art projects would be like painting like Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and everything, like, you know. <laughs> Love it. And like any time a teacher had asked me, what am I going to be? Like, you know, I'd say, I'm going to be a wrestler. And they, you know, so that was, you just shrug their shoulders or whatever and say, what is this lad on? But like, um, you know, something that like, it was the only thing that I ever wanted to do. Like, didn't really fill out CAO form to go to college or nothing. Like, I was like, no, oh, I'm not interested in that. I'm going to like try to be a wrestler. So, I was 18, finished school, and uh, I was always reading these wrestling magazines. And there used to be this wrestling magazine called Power Slam. And yeah. the back, back pages, they had like classified ads. And uh, there was an ad every month I would see for this uh, wrestling school in England called Hammerlock Wrestling. I said, that's it. Once I'm finished school, I'm going to go there. So I saved Amazing. up my money and went out training out there with them. And Fake the CEO going to England. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had you done any martial arts or anything like through school? Or no, or not at all, no. Yeah, nothing at all, yeah. Head it over, yeah, yeah. See, because the, the closest I ever would have got to anything like that was the wrestling matches I used to have with my brother. Yeah, yeah. When <laughs> me man and I went to do the shopping over in crazy prices as it was back in the day, like <laughs> Tesco now, I used to have my brother. We used to have this uh, red. He had a red zigzag scarf, and I had a blue zigzag scarf. And the red one was the World Wrestling Federation Championship. And the blue one was the Intercontinental Championship. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd have wrestling matches for these belts. 
That's the closest <laughs> you get. That's the closest we ever came. And that's where I went wrong. Rather than just reading the magazines and Easton's before I was thrown out. Yeah. <laughs> I should have, actually, should have actually bought them and gone to the back page. Wait, I used to buy me Power Slam every week. Yeah, I used to love that stuff, man. Yeah. Power Slam, was, it, was, it was real um, like informative in terms of uh, Japanese wrestling and stuff like that, yeah. which you then became a global superstar with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, Power Slam was very like influential in what like moulded me as a fan, you know. Uh, obviously, you're kind of getting like a little bit more of an inside scoop than all like the official uh, WWE magazines. Yeah. And uh, just like seeing names of like wrestlers in Japan or Mexico or like like lesser known like independent wrestlers in the states, like you know, it was it was a real good like insight into the, the business as a whole, as opposed to just what we were seeing on the TV at the time. Yeah. How long did it take in, in a hammerlock before, like, does it like is it six months training and then right, I'm gonna have my first match or someone says, look, fairly ready to have your first match or? Do you yeah, tell that them was. Or no, no, they tell you pretty much. Uh, I was trained by Andre Baker, and uh, the way it would work is you'd go and you do like two week block of ca- like what was it camp? So like there'd be pretty much a gym like what we're in now, but just like with a wrestling ring in it. Yeah. And you know we'd. I'd go there and I'd stay for two weeks and we'd sleep in sleeping bags and you know he'd have a little kitchenette which I'm sure you do somewhere and like he'd just like give us like scrambled egg and beans like in the morning and protein shakes in the afternoon and you know we'd go around the pub for a pub lunch and that was it and uh, we'd done that every day for two weeks then I'd fly back home I'd work in Tesco Uh, I'd save up some more money fly back over back and forth I was working in Irish Rail at the time in Conley Station as well you know and uh, I was doing that like, and I think after about eight months, uh, they said, "Yeah, you're ready to, to have a match." And they put some little spandex on me, kicked me out the curtain, <laughs> and <laughs> bite the head off me in the ring. <laughs> I was it like, the, you know the way they always say, "Oh, the the the, the new guys, the green guys." Like, did they give you a good kind of whipping? Oh yeah, it was it was a welcome to the business party, like you know, <laughs> and uh, like. The hammerlock was very old school in that sense where like even the training at the time uh, was a lot more intense and a lot more uh, grueling than like most of the other wrestling schools that were out there, you know, and uh, it still had uh, elements of, you know, amateur wrestling, combat sambo and uh, all that type of stuff because it was it was ran out of uh, a gym in Kent which was actually uh, you know a Russian sambo gym so it was uh, there was like heavily uh, it was heavily influenced by like actual real combat you know so there was a lot of the, the elements of that uh, that uh, martial arts training as well and how so after about 8 months or so I said they basically kicked you out the court and that and then yeah you, you went on to win championships and everything in England so how did how did you develop like the, so, at the moment you're 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 Finn Balor in, in in WWE, but you've had other sort of characters and other personas along the way as well. How did they all develop and come to be? Like, uh, well, at the beginning, uh, it was myself and Paul Tracy, another lad from Bray, and uh, we were over in England, and you know we're the two Irish lads in England, so it was kind of we were told right wear these leprechaun hats, wave these Irish flags, <laughs> and go out. And you know it's only small little uh, community centres in in England, you know. So it's just like classic. Uh, we're the classic bad guys, you know, like boo Ireland, you know. <laughs> and we're like yeah, England sucks, you know. And uh, it was it was that was kind of the first character. We were basically just Irish lads, you know. Yeah. And like uh, we'd go out there and we'd beat up the local lad for a while, and then then you know he'd win in the end you know and uh, it was just like classic like old school wrestling storytelling and uh, that was kind of 
that was the first kind of character I would say that I had, yeah. you know. But it was just really me being me and a little bit annoying <laughs> because I was Irish, you know, <laughs> in a, in an English world with all that, like you know, Irish history, English history, stuff. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you went from England to Japan then, and you were in Japan for was it eight, nine years? You were over there. Yeah. So how how did the jump from England to Japan come to be? Uh, what happened was well. I was in England about three years, and uh, the guy that was running it over there, uh, Andre, had advised us, uh, myself and Paul, to set up a gym down in Bray, and uh, kind of start feeding uh, Hammerlock in the UK with a with an Irish gym. And uh, we set up this little gym in Bray called NWA Ireland, and it ended up like turning into something really successful. You know, we uh, like we went from having like six students the first week to having like three months later having like 60 lads at training like on, oh, on a Sunday <laughs> and, and like me and Paul would kind of look at each other and go how the hell did this happen like <laughs> we don't even know what we're doing we're only in rest in three years like only kind of finding our feet but like uh this the skill of thought was like um you know Andre was obviously a businessman and he wanted to kind of like you know throw out kind of a fishing net in Ireland and get up all the good talent and take them to England so he was like well you know you're not the finished product yet but you're better than anyone else that has no experience. So <laughs> it, once you kind of stay a little bit ahead of the curve of them the whole time, you know, you can teach them what you know, then you can come to me, I can teach us some I more and like kind of, you know, work up like just a couple of levels ahead of them the whole time. So it's like, oh, this makes sense, like, you know, but essentially it's like, I'm like 21, pause, 22, 23, and like we've got 60 lads like in a gym, two rings going at the same time, matted area. <laughs> And of course, like we're still holding down like part-time jobs in like Irish Rail or Tesco's or something as well, like, you know. <laughs> so, so like I'm in Conley Station like at like seven o'clock selling train tickets, and then like I bait on the dart and take the dart straight to Bray, and I run down to Little Bray like I'm in Little Bray for like quarter to seven, and, like off at the CIE uniform and into the spandex. And, like, <laughs> start like killing lads that have like you know and there was lads like like driving up from Kildare there was lads like with a lot of lads from Kildare from Finglas but like there was lads driving from the north up from Wexford and all and it was like it was a real cool community like that we had going on out in Braid for that time was it the only so one it, like it, was yeah the there was, there was Irish Whip I think kind of started up at the same time or a little bit afterwards but there was like there was no like cross promotion at all like you know and it was of course, I'm sure it's gone on in like the gym world. You see it, like you know, there's a gym just around the corner, and for some reason, everyone hates each other. You know, <laughs> like you know, it's just classic, right? You just like, have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like kind of bred into us, like to be territorial. And uh, I, I'm glad that a lot of that has gone out of like wrestling right now. But uh, the, the at, at the time, Monday night wars. At, at the time, like you know, like I could never understand it because like the. Uh, the wrestling community is small enough in Ireland as it is, and like they split it into two groups that are <laughs> separated by like six miles or something. <laughs> made no sense to me. But um, but yeah, so uh, I'd been doing England like solidly for three years, and then kind of for the for the second, you know, tr three years of that, like you know, it's say year four, five, and six, I'd been kind of flip flopping back between Ireland and England, and like doing the two at the same time, and I just felt like that. Uh, Although I was kind of passing on a lot of knowledge to the lads in Bray and stuff, uh, that I wasn't really getting any better myself or that I'd kind of like, you know... Plateaued. Out, I, 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 yeah, exactly. I'd plateaued and I'd kind of reached as far as I was going to reach in that kind of environment. And um, 
I kind of just decided to up sticks. It's and, amazing because uh, we've had guests, different guests on, like athletes, politicians, and always the ambition comes out in people, and it's almost come up with nearly every guest, has it, that they got to a stage where they realised they needed to be outside of where they currently were yeah. to get better. And yeah. they always have their eye on being better. Like So, yeah. so um, I didn't know where to go or what to do, but I just knew that like there was nowhere in England or Ireland that I could go. So I had an auntie that lived in Boston. Surprise, surprise, right? Irish. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and she said, yeah, come over and stay with me for a few weeks if you want. So what happened was uh, I went over to England or uh, America and had a, like just 90 day tourist visa and went over there and uh, started wrestling around Boston and all the little gyms and stuff. And there was a lot of them there, like four or five. And like, it's amazing how, uh, you know, you you go to one gym and you make a good impression and then like you know word starts spreading and oh yeah i can take you down to this other gym on tuesday night and then a lad on tuesday night say oh yeah there's another train in another part of town on thursday night so you start like building up this network of people and uh started learning a lot but like things started happening so fast like within about six weeks like i'm kind of like meeting so many new people like and it's just been like a mushroom effect from like being kind of in this little uh this little tiny like puddle of a community in like you know Ireland and England and then like going to Boston and it just seemed to blown up like this huge ocean of like possibilities you know and then um, an opportunity came up to like do some show uh, in Nashville to fly down to Nashville and it was affiliated with the the crowd uh, Hammerlock in the UK and I, like I wasn't really going to go to Nashville because uh you know, had to pay me on flight and no money, and you know, but uh, had to pay me on flight. You weren't going to get paid for the show, and like if I was in uh, in Bo- in Boston, I could have wrestled three times that weekend, and this was one match in Nashville. But a few of the lads from England were going, a few of the Irish lads were going to go just for the week for the crack. I said, Ah, sure, I'll fly down and meet the lads and have a laugh, and uh, done done the show down there. And there happened to be a scout for uh, this gym uh, that was really well renowned in Los Angeles. And uh, the scout said, do you want to come down and train with us? So it's actually funny because another gym scout was there too. And uh, I think it was like in the Carolinas or something. It was based in the Carolinas. And I had actually known of the one in the Carolinas, but I didn't know about the one in Los Angeles. But I'd kind of looked into it a little bit. And the reputation of the one in Los Angeles like far exceeded the one in the Carolinas. And said, oh, I've got to go to the to the one in uh, in Los Angeles. So I flew out there, started training with them for three weeks. But then, like, my 90-day visa was up, you know, yeah. right? So I was like, oh, no, like, what am I going to do? So, so like, I was having this great time, like, training in Los Angeles and, like, learning this new style of wrestling. And, uh, like, 89 days, just, boom, flew home. And, like, that was it. Like, it was done. And, uh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, so it was like, because uh, I went in a September around the 20th of September and I flew home on like the 19th of December just in time for Christmas I remember thinking like man that was a that was an amazing three months like I learned so much like you know I can take all this back bring it back to the lads in Bray go back to England see the lads in England show them and like uh, I'm home over Christmas and the lads in LA ring me and they say uh, can you come back out I was like oh, I have no money like if I'm broke, like, you know, I've spent it all eating beans in your gym floor, <laughs> like, you know, and a point of sleeping bag. <laughs> and uh, and they said, look, if if, uh, if we pay for your flight, will you come back out? So I said, yeah, sure. And told me dad, my dad gave me like two or three hundred quid or something. Flew back out there. And it, again, that was on like another 90 day visa. But like I knew that I'd just spent 89 days there. Like getting back into the States again is going to be tricky, you know. So, um. I booked a return ticket that was only putting me in Los Angeles for a week. 
<laughs> and, uh, and I got pulled in at emigration and they said, uh, you know, what are you doing in, in Los Angeles? I said, oh, I'm just going wrestling training. Like, oh, wrestling training? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they pulled my bags open and found all my gear and stuff. What were you doing in America for the last uh, 89 days? So oh, I was just living with my auntie, you know, doing some training in Boston and, you know, went to Nashville. And, oh, okay, okay, okay. And after about like an hour of like arguing my case and like, you know, trying to say that I'm guilty, like I'm not working. <laughs> you know, he, he stamped the thing, let me in, and like that could have, that was really the making or breaking of me because yeah. within uh, within like three weeks of being back in the States, they offered me an opportunity to, uh, this gym in, in Los Angeles had an affiliate in Tokyo, and I was back there about three weeks, and they said uh, there's an opportunity for you to go and train in Japan for three months. Do you want to take it? Absolutely. What time's the flight at? <laughs> <laughs> you know oh, when yeah. you went the first time for the, the ninety days? Yeah. You left the job in Irish Rail. Yeah. And you're kinda going Was it was it just was it it was a you saying to yourself, right, I'm going over here for for three months to get better or was it I'm going over to Libby Dream and I'm gonna work for Vince McMahon? Was that did that come into the um, equation at all at that point or was it just you wanted to get better as a, as I just a wanted to get better yeah I just wanted to get better and I knew that like there was like obviously everyone has these like wild dreams of like working for Vince McMahon and like you know but um, I never really like had like an end goal I just wanted like to you know get better but get a better get better and take it one step at a time and I knew like that like you know the journey to the final destination is taking the first step, you know, and I just had to take that first step. And yeah. yeah. Is it a lot of, like like Lindsay said about previous guests, like it's, it is a lot of kind of sacrifice. Look, good, pensionable job <laughs> with yeah. Irish Rail. And, yeah. and I, I mean that in the respect that, you know, if my granddad, well, any time I tell my granddad I'm looking for a new job, he runs a muck. What do you mean? This is your fifth job and you're only 30. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? I had one job from 18 to 60 and, you know, do, do you know what I mean? Like you yeah. had a good stay job at Irish Rail yeah, and you're yeah. like feck it I'm going to live my dream that's just brilliant like. and it seems to be instinctual like you didn't really know what you were chasing but you knew you some so there was something bigger out there that you needed to go and figure out like you know yeah, yeah. Just, I need to go <laughs> so then it was Tokyo which you probably had read in Power Slam magazines oh of course like this is this is like literally a dream come true for me to like go to Tokyo you know yeah. so uh, I land in Tokyo I get picked up like my staff of a wrestling company. It's like this big massive like limousine bus with like reclining seats and all the wrestlers printed on the side of it and all. I was like, oh, what is going on? I'm like twenty four. Yeah. And like I left Ireland like four months before or like six months before that, like to go to America. So I'm like all of a sudden I'm in Tokyo and I'm like <laughs> I remember like I remember they picked me up because it was a long flight from Los Angeles, like 12 hours or something. I landed in Tokyo and I was kind of like a little bit like sleepy and everything. So I get on this bus and I'm like, what the hell? But of course, I've been in an economy seat like the whole way over in the airplane, like, you know, so I'm bunched up and all. But then like I get into this big limousine bus and the seat goes back. And like, as soon as I, like, as soon as the seat goes back, I'm out, out cold, right? And like I wake up about 40 minutes later and we're coming into Tokyo City because the airport is a little bit outside the city. We're coming into the city and like, for a second, like, I look out the window and like it's a highway that goes through the city at about like six stories high. 
It's like it's just waves through these skyscrapers. And I'm like looking out the window going, am I still on the plane? And is the, the plane flying low or what's going on? <laughs> you know? And then like I kind of like, you know, get me bearings and go, jeez, I'm on a bus. Like, go on, go, go, on, go on to the New Japan Dojo in Tokyo. This is mental. <laughs> Yeah. The, the dojo though like th- tell us a bit about the dojo because you don't just go in and tr- train you like you clean the veterans clothes you cook their dinners you clean yeah. the dishes like you have to s- pay your dues so yeah speak. essentially it's like an internship you know so what they offered me was uh, you know you can go and do this kind of three month you know internship with uh, the Japanese dojo and uh, you know just kind of learn from them and be like an apprentice and uh, basically what you do is you get up at eight o'clock and you clean the, the dojo top to bottom then like you prepare the uh, prepare the food for the other wrestlers that are going to eat during the day then uh, then we do our, our training just about four or five hour training and afterwards we wash all the, the all the wrestlers uh, gear and fold it and put it back in their lockers and then it's time to go to bed yeah. literally like an apprentice uh, yeah it's exactly yeah. like an apprenticeship yeah yeah, yeah. Because you read about that, don't you? Like lads yeah. when they went over to England back well, in the day. Well, former guest Pajo. Pajo, yeah, yeah exactly. used to clean yeah. kind of Dennis yeah. Irwin's football boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were doing that with some of. But it, of course, Japan. like I'm doing this, and like I'm training with these wrestlers that I've been reading about and looking at pictures of in the magazines, and then yeah. like and I'm washing their gear, going like, "Oh my god, I'm washing Tanahashi's gear. This is amazing! <laughs> like, can't believe this is his gear in my hands, you know?" Like, so like I'm like. Like, yeah, I'm just living life. Like, this is amazing. Like, I get to wash his gear. Like, I'm making it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, how, how hard was it to adapt to things over there? Because, like, it's a completely different culture, completely different way of life, different language, different foods, and yeah. you're just kind of thrown in and... Yeah, like when, uh, w- when I arrived there, uh, the dojo was like this 80-year-old house that is, uh, like, this is kind of before... Like so this is almost ten years ago, so there was no Skype, there was no like Facebook, there was no Wi-Fi, uh, like there was no iPhones and things like that. Like you know, I had a Nokia, you know. <laughs> so like not like I was really cut off because yeah. like there was no communication with my man back home, and they just thought like he's gone to Japan and we'll never see him again, you know. <laughs> and like uh, I remember like to call me mom, I'd have to like walk down the road about five minutes to a phone box, put the equivalent of like ten euro in. And like you'd get ten minutes on the phone to Ireland, like so I'd do it like once a week, yeah. and that was it. And then uh, I remember like I'd saved up and bought like a a, a PSP, yeah. and what I'd do is I'd walk around the block scanning for Wi-Fi, you know, because they had Wi-Fi on it, <laughs> and uh, I'd sit outside like the neighbor's house because it was in a residential area. I'd sit outside the neighbor's house that didn't have a password on their Wi-Fi, <laughs> and then I'd go log onto me my, MySpace and like I'd read the messages on MySpace, but you couldn't even write back because it's on a you know it's That's a D-pad right. on yeah, the PSP, yeah. you know. So I was just like reading the messages. <laughs> that was it. So like I was really cut off, but it was really beneficial to like really submerging yourself yeah, in the culture yeah. and like not not having any distractions and like kind of getting like stuck into the job at hand, you know. They're they're beau- they're beautiful people, aren't they? Oh, I remember incredible. being there and not having a, obviously I'm there as a tourist, not having a word of Japanese. And we're in uh, some subway, and like the locals could sense that we were lost. They hadn't got a word of English, but they pointed us in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And make sure we got down. And yeah. I remember like there was a little curb really small corb and the Japanese fellow was like making sure I got down the corb then I just did a big wheelie and he's like oh, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell it's, like, oh, it's, it's only small but it's grand <laughs> but they're just they're great people I love I loved you I was only there for 10, 10 days you were there for what 8-9 years 8 years yeah 8, eight and a bit years and, and 
I mean, the shows, like, if you're a fan of pro wrestling, you know that the Japanese fans are very, very passionate. Like, yeah. what were the, what was your first experience like of a big stadium show, say, or a big arena, like a huge arena show, like Tokyo Dome? Or? I was there about three or four days, and I got brought as, like, a young boy, which is called an apprenticeship they call a young boy. And uh, one of the other jobs of, of a young boy is, like, sitting ringside, and like collecting the wrestlers jackets as they like get into the ring you know so i'm in japan four days and next thing you know i'm like got a ringside seat for ria goku which is like ten thousand <laughs> seats sold out like in the best in-ring wrestling in the world you know yeah. at the time and uh it's just i'm like oh, no, oh my god like how did i end up here <laughs> so like that was my that was my first that was my first impression like you know like fresh off the boat out of ireland pretty much like and like literally like elbow on the ring like watching like all these lads that i've been reading about like you know and uh like you know them handing me their jackets and you know even sometimes like halfway through the match like your man will catch your eye like and he give you a little wink and i was going oh my god kenny moto winked at me during <laughs> halfway through his fight like <laughs> so you were fanning out? Well, oh, big time, yeah, yeah, of course. So it was a loud fan out on the way down. The <laughs> <laughs> like w when you're reading about these guys, and then, then you're in their company, like you know, there's always this kind of uh, thing of respect to veterans and stuff like that. Like how how do you approach? Do you wait to be spoken to, or I gotta say, like uh, obviously I'd always kind of wait to be spoken to. Like I never really kind of forced myself on anyone, but the Japanese lads in New Japan and even the gaijin or the foreign lads uh, like really couldn't have treated me any better than the way they did like they really took me in as one of their own and I kind of think they uh, they respected the fact that I was going through their system and like going through uh, you know that young boy uh, internship and uh, really like they just treated me as one of their own and you know they're, uh, you know as a nation they're so helpful and in the company as well, New Japan, like they couldn't help me anymore and help me adapt to everything, and you know, they were brilliant. And what, what at the time, what like American American pro wrestling stars were there at the time? At the time, Brock Lesnar was the champion. Go away. Yeah. Go away. And, uh, yeah, but I'm not sure if he was there at that big show. But um, that show that I, I was talking about, that I'm ringside for, Giant Bernard was wrestling. Now, for anyone who doesn't know Giant Bernard, he used to be uh, a train in WWE. Then he went to uh, to our Prince Albert. Then he went yeah. to uh, New Japan, became uh, Giant Bernard, and now he's back in uh, NXT. Actually, as the head coach. So, like, uh, my first meeting of this guy, like, he's this, like, he's about six eight. He's probably like twenty five stone. He's tattoos like all over his upper body, bald head, piercings all around his mouth, and like I'm just scared out of me tree of this guy, like you know, and like I don't want to say a word to him. <laughs> this lad's gonna kill me. Like he's straight away, he's not gonna like me. Like you know, and uh, we get we get on the bus, and like I, ha I haven't had a chance to speak to him at the show because like I'm segregated. The young boys aren't allowed in the locker room. But uh, after the show, I get on the bus, and uh, there's only the foreign lads left on the bus, and uh, he's down the front, and I'm down the back, just minding my own business. And he kind of peeks his big, massive head around, <laughs> and he goes, "Hey, kid, <laughs> come up here!" And I'm like, "Shit, myself!" <laughs> oh no! Like, what, what have I done wrong? <laughs> but uh, like, you know, asking me whole story, how did I get there? Like, took me under his wing, couldn't wow. have been nicer. Like, and, and from that day, like, helped me like 
the whole time I was there with him, you know. So there, there's a great um, just jumping ahead just for a moment. There's a great um, special on yourself. Uh, just to tell the listeners about uh, yourself on the WWE Network and uh, Matt Bloom. Uh, yeah. Albert uh, gets very emotional talking about you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on that, like he took you under his wing, and it wasn't a real. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't a real cocky or. He wasn't a real like, oh, here I've been doing this business for years. You respect me, but I, I remember watching it going, is, is, "Is that real or what?" Or, you know, he got very emotional talking about how you have now gone full circle and you're working with him again. Yeah, um, I get a little bit emotional thinking about it as well, you know, because like, no one is ever really obliged to help anyone, like, yeah. and especially in 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 wrestling when there's so much co- uh, competition. And uh, like for him to do that for me, like you know, I'll never forget. And um, you know, brought brought us very close together. Like especially, we were kind of the only two foreign lads like speaking English in Japan, traveling with like forty Japanese guys, and the two of us. Like you know, it brought us very close together. And uh, essentially, I was his competition. Like you know, in the long run, and and he really took me under his wing, and we became like brothers. You know, brilliant. It's amazing. Like yeah, it's. It's one of those things, actually, as well, that I suppose the whole behind-the-curtain culture is something that a lot of fans, unless they kind of go seek it out, you always see kind of the stuff on TV and then you might read a little bit online or whatever, yeah. but behind-the-curtain stuff, is you only really see that in, like you said, like the specials or the documentaries yeah. and that. And you do hear little stories like of guys who really, really bond, and it's it's amazing, like, to be on the other side of the world, the only two English-speaking guys, and then... All this links in, and now here you are back together in NXT. Like, yes, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, man. it's brilliant. It's brilliant for like, like I've been watching wrestling since about four or five years of age. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, watching that, I was, I was like, oh, jeez, that's deadly. He's, so, he's so actually getting emotional here. <laughs> <laughs> and when you when you were over there, and like obviously we're submerged in it over there and all that, were you still able to keep track of everything that was going on over in America? And were you still kind of? Not really, no. Uh, I became kind of so like entrenched in uh, what we were doing in Japan, like that. I kind of cut myself off from all of the wrestling and uh, yeah. just kind of really focused on that. And I didn't really feel a need to uh, to have much of an understanding of what was going on elsewhere because I didn't want to kind of dilute my uh, kind of what uh, what I was doing. So yeah. yeah. At that point, were you trying to develop a new style at all, or were you just trying to? Uh, I was just. To be honest, I was still trying to figure out who I was as a person, let alone like a, a wrestler, you know. And uh, it was very much I kind of forget what I'd learned everywhere else and kind of adapt to this new style. And uh, the Japanese kind of method of training is very kind of uh, they they start with the very basics and then they work their way up. But like you don't work your way up until every one of the the basic fundamentals yeah, is is uh, yeah yeah is uh, is perfected, you know. So it's very slow and uh, like uh, you know there's a lot of attention to details. So really like um, in England and then like kind of wrestling around in Ireland and England, I would have probably like learned the fundamentals, but then kind of like discarded them and get went on to the fancier stuff and like. Going, going to Japan and then like having that refocus on the fundamentals again and how the Japanese apply the fundamentals especially like was hugely like yeah. influential in what makes me who I am today because a lot of people kind of like when they start 
they go through the basics and then they breeze on to you know the advanced stuff and then they f kind of forget about their their basic training and, and w what actually like holds everything together and what is the glue for everything mm -hmm. and for me to have that kind of focus shunned back on it like six years later was like i think was a huge advantage for me than than a lot of other people had you know and did, did it ever frustrate like at the time were you were you humbled by it or were you you know when you're you're brought back to square one kind of was it frustrating or did you just embrace it and just no honestly i was i was seeing like these like essentially basic holes being applied in a totally different way and going like oh my god how did i not know how to do that you know yeah. or like why, why haven't i been doing it that way the whole time and then like even just like you know simple things like break falls were done differently in Japan than they were done in, in Europe and uh, in England. And, like, it kind of gave me an edge over everyone else, you know? Because yeah. cause I was kind of learning two styles of doing things as opposed to just one, you know? And then, of course, like, they sent me to Mexico to do training down there. And, like, then I learned a Mexican way of doing it, too. So I was getting, like, this whole hybrid of, of different kind of techniques, you know, and kind of putting them all together. That's what, that, that, that's what, all, that's what happens to kind of all kind of great in-ring wrestlers like yourself like you go back to Eddie Guerrero Chris Benoit um, you know Chris Jericho uh, Lance Storm they all went through the Japan route then Mexico and yeah. then back to North America yeah that's it's just I just think it's fascinating that someone <laughs> from Ireland from Bray <laughs> uh, yeah. has gone on to do such like to, to follow that path you know, it, like, it's just brilliant. It's mad as well, because what you were saying there, um, I remember listening to uh, the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast, and he was talking about yourself on it, and he kind of drew those comparisons too. He was kind of saying about that as well. Like, have you ever actually just, because I know you were on Colt Cabana's podcast as well, and Jericho's. Jericho's, yep. yeah. Do you ever, like, listen to some of them, and if you hear, like, especially Stone Cold, like, you hear that kind of thing, like, you're going, Stone Cold Steve Austin's talking about me. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have to pinch, yeah, you must pinch yourself sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I'll I'll skip forward a little bit, yeah. and uh, well, yeah. I'm in the locker room, and I'm in, I'm in NXT locker room in a small little armory in Tampa, and there's only about 300 fans at the show, and uh, there's probably nearly as many lads in the locker room <laughs> trying to <laughs> wrestle on the show, and uh, and my phone rings, and I was like, oh, I don't recognise that number, like you know, I, was like, oh, I shouldn't really answer in the locker room, but what the hell, you know? So I answer, and I go, hello, and he goes. Hello, Fergo, am I saying your name right? <laughs> and I go, uh, yeah. He goes, yeah, this is Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> I was like, uh, 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 who? <laughs> he goes, yeah, I got your number off, William Regal. <laughs> and, uh, and we went on to have like a 40-minute conversation, like, you know, some problems. Yeah, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, I've met Steve since. He's been incredible, you know. But, yeah, That's he just bad, he yeah. was just calling to give me some advice. He said he'd seen some of my work in Japan, and he was a big fan of the stuff I was doing in Japan. He was happy that I made the transition to America. And wow. I would have said, who's pranking me? Yeah, that's what I'd thought. I'd actually, uh, half an hour earlier, I'd had a text from Regal, and it said, uh, Steve's going to call you later. But I didn't know what it was in reference to. Like, you know? Yeah. He's <laughs> Steve. Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I it's someone from the office or something, yeah? <laughs> One of the most iconic figures in all of pro yeah, wrestling ringing. Yeah, yeah. That that's, is, mad. that's mad, like. Crazy. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, well, I suppose we skip ahead then, skip ahead a bit. Like, I did want to briefly talk about the Bullet Club, which I suppose the Bullet Club to listeners is the Japanese equivalent to 
Degeneration X, I suppose. Yeah. Would that be a fair? Yeah. Uh, it's a faction. It's a stable in in Japan, and you are the kind of one of the founding members of that faction. Like that just exploded in Japan. What, yeah. What was that like? Um, you were like superstars, like. Yeah. Well, I'd been like doing like you know the babyface or the good guy kind of thing for six years, and I was kind of I was honestly thinking about leaving uh, Japan, and I kind of I was getting that same feeling that I'd got in England and Ireland that I needed to kind of challenge myself again and kind of like, you know, take myself out of the comfort zone. And, you know, six years in, I'd kind of done the same deal as a good guy, f you know, for the whole time. And uh, I was thinking, you know, maybe now's the time to make the move to the States. And uh, I remember as I'm thinking about this and kind of, I'd had like communication with America and WWE and different places. And uh, as early as that, you had communication. With yeah, them? as actually as early as like two thousand nine. Oh wow! Yeah, but um, but this is you know this is like three years ago I think, and uh, the the booker in charge of you know creative storylines in New Japan comes to me and he goes, how how do you feel about um turning heel, you know, turning bad, you know? And I looked at him and I said, I would absolutely love it. <laughs> and he goes, and that was that was the decision Dan made. I'm gonna stay here and I'm gonna fresh you know, start. Yeah, fresh yeah. start in in, uh, in New Japan. And uh, you know, they said, okay, what we're gonna do is, uh, you know, you're a small lad, but we're gonna put you into heavyweights and we're gonna give you a bouncer, you know, bodyguard <laughs> type deal. And uh, which of course was the biggest dude that we had, like you know, King Foley. And uh, basically, I just you know stand behind him and pick fights and <laughs> then you know, he'd help you win uh, uh, yeah and he Classic. helped me win uh, you know cheating and uh, it was uh, it, it all kind of happened by accident because we were it was just going to be the two of us and Carl uh, Anderson and Tamatonga who are really good friends of mine and it was we were the four foreigners in Japan at the time when we travelled together ate together trained together and really done everything together and we're, we're like best mates and uh, like really like family almost you know because we're spending like you know Ten months of the year in Japan together, like you know, so yeah. like living together. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, the the guy in charge of creative said, "How would you feel about you know the four years going together as a as a group?" I said, "I love it, man." And uh, he said, "All right, think of a name." And like I went to the lads and I said, "Can you can you think of a name, lads?" And she said, "Oh no, <laughs> we don't care what name you pick. You just <laughs> pick whatever name." So I came up with the name and we pitched it. They loved it and. Uh, it went went strong but it was something very different that uh the the japanese fans hadn't seen for a long time which was actual like heel wrestling yeah. you know and like you know ch cheating uh you know behind the referee's back but they get like, really upset with you so it got so bad on these shows that um the office had to set up a complaints phone line because because <laughs> like god bless the japanese public like they're they were so upset with like this cheating you know this was their like knight in shining armor like prince deva like you know the good guy that had been champion smiling the whole time had just started like poking people in the eye punching people low blows <laughs> like cheating behind the referee's back you know using weapons and like they're just calling the office non-stop oh my god how, how come the referee didn't see uh, him cheating behind his back he takes the turnbuckle pad off every single match how has he not been fined for this you know and uh, and it was really like an amazing time like it was genuine hatred like you that know? must have been and, uh, amazing that. yeah it was it was genuine hatred and like uh like i remember getting punched by fans <laughs> like and like uh like, you know <laughs> like the people would be having to be held back and stuff and uh it went from genuine hatred to like this is really entertaining to 
oh my god these guys are really cool you know and uh, it kind of and and now you know i think it's it's one of the cool, cooler things but at the beginning it was like genuine like it was real heat you know so it's kind of gone it's done that kind of thing where it's morphed like, yeah yeah face turns the heel but then eventually heel almost was not by kind of another turn but just the fans take with that yeah. much it almost got his face again yeah like. yeah so was it aj styles then came in was it did he that's after um very yeah way. so yeah. uh so what happened was we we done the bullet club for about a year and uh again like i kind of felt like all right well i've done this part of me me uh you know i'd i'd you know done something that i wanted to do which was turn heel and you know do do the bad guy spiel in, in japan and i uh, just felt like well i can keep doing it for another six years and then <laughs> be too late to change or uh yeah. i'll get out while the going's good you know and kind of strike while the iron was hot and said uh, it was time to make the move so aj was brought in to replace you wasn't it essentially yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it was it during it was during the bullet club where you, you adopted the the kind of iconic face paint now was it yeah the, what, yeah what, what made you was that just part of the heel persona I yeah something it, here? yeah so uh w- where the body paint came from was you know the heel persona obviously you want to take away everything that the fans like about you and you know so i'd stop doing all flashy moves like you know i changed from colorful gear to black gear and uh you know you just basically don't want to give them anything that they can attach to so uh we had this big show coming up and normally what lads do for this wrestle kingdom show which is january 4th is um it's you know the japanese wrestlemania is like they get new gear or they get a new ring jacket and i came up with this idea of well if I get new gear, I want it to completely cover my body because, like, some of like the Japanese girls would still like go, ah, Prince David, like, you know, yeah. just because, like, you know, they'd like, see a body, you know, and uh, no, so no, they see abs. <laughs> <laughs> you don't just see a body. You don't see my uh, right. beer pack. <laughs> don't see but, my um, keg. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so the idea was to take that away from them as well. So I was thinking about a bodysuit, but then I was thinking, ah, oh, bodysuit isn't that cool. What I'll do is I'll cover myself in you know in paint head to toe and i was originally i was just going to do black just solid black and like my idea was like because the building's so big it's like forty thousand people the people in the back they won't even be able to see me properly like you know just look like a guy wrestling against his own shadow you know that was like my my uh like my my that's how i seen it in my imagination but uh when i met up with the artist that was uh that was applying to paint for me like she started showing me her portfolio and i was like oh man we got to do something better than just playing black you know and uh and it was just complete coincidence and potluck that that's how that happened Brilliant. Yeah. brilliant you've kind of well after that then you you made the, the big move to north america yeah and so i thought i i just assumed that that was the first contact but there was contact in Illinois. believe it or not i'd actually agreed to go to north america before i'd done the first paint job oh okay yeah it was like in the november i'd made the agreement because my contract was up in january and uh after the Wrestle Kingdom show? After Wrestle Kingdom, yeah, but there was delays in the visa process in America, so I ended up staying in Japan until April just to, to work out more time. And, and it, was that the time when RTE were following you for the documentary? So, yeah, so RTE had been kind of... Uh, Ronald McCluskey, who'd done the, the documentary, uh, he'd been kind of in contact a little bit about doing this kind of fly-in-the-wall documentary, and I'm pretty private and don't really like doing stuff like that. <coughs> But I thought, like, oh, maybe this would be a good opportunity to, like, get some exposure for the New Japan and for the guys there and the, the guys I was working with in uh, in the UK at the time. And uh, 
he'd kind of been talking about it, but I never really thought it was going to happen. And uh, it kept getting put off and put back and put back. And then he finally said, listen, we can do it in April. And it just so happens that, like, that was the last week that I was doing. And it just... Fell into place. Just Yeah, it was just complete, like, look at a draw that he, he was there and he was able to, to, to film it with me, you know. There's some great footage of you actually talking to the artist on that and applying the body paint and then yeah. literally down to the last minute before you're supposed to go out to the court and yeah. puts the last lick of paint on because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's literally head toes everything yeah. like it's crazy yeah. Um, so yeah that was cool because that documentary uh, it was the reality bites I believe I think so yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a brilliant documentary great insight into yeah. it's called Japan. Smack Em Up oh, Smack Em Up that's yeah. what it was yeah. sorry and it's on uh, it's on BBC iPlayer now oh was it yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd strongly recommend it it was really good really great insight and then that was your last and then you you made contact then again was it with Matt Bloom or William Regal to go to WWE well, yeah, the agreement had already been made through uh, through William Regal, but obviously, like a, a huge influence and part of the decision was the fact that Matt Bloom was now working at NXT as one of the coaches, and you know, I had such a great friendship with him. So, um, that was like one of the that was a huge positive, obviously, for me going to NXT and uh, you know making a move from Japan to America is a big like transition, you know. So. Uh, I was really lucky, like the Matt Bloom was there and able to kind of help me like adapt not only to like NXT and the different working environment, but like living in America. You know, he helped yeah. me get me driving license and you know put me up for two months so I could find me own apartment and everything. And like you know, doing everything, <laughs> yeah, he's doing yeah. everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice to have that bit of familiarity waiting for you when you're coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know. And and again, like having someone that you, like you truly trust yeah. to kind of like you know ping ideas off like about working in a new environment so that was really helpful you probably had to change your style then again did you? or just get not to change your style but get the grips right this is a new it's done differently this is gone gone from three cameras watching me at a show to about 20 cameras yeah you have to know where all the cameras exactly, are exactly yeah yeah there's there's that element like you know the kind of the tv aspect but again like a lot of people are saying oh well you've been main eventing these shows in japan and you've done everything there is to do in Japan, like, why are you going back to this performance centre in Orlando? That's disrespectful. They shouldn't be sending you there. <laughs> but I'm, like, going, like, this is great. Like, I'm getting to, like, sh like, like shine a light on all my weaknesses again and, like, like focus on things, like, again, like, on all, like, you know, the details and the fundamentals again. Yeah. And, again, like, they have a completely different style of wrestling in WWE as well. So, like, I'm getting to learn this new style on top of the style that I already know. So, of course, I'm not going to take everything in, but, like, the bits that I like I'm going to take and then <laughs> the, the bits that I don't like I'm going to chuck away and keep my own like yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, so uh, so so that was a bit, big part of like uh, like change changing my style but also making it better you know yeah, yeah. Uh, how have you been injury wise have you been lucky with injuries or just changing styles changing camps and then like that old style training you were talking about um, like you know the train the longer you train the better you'll be kind of mentality that well, obviously that's not the case now a lot of people have copped on to smart training and yeah. training condition and stuff but have you had injuries? Um, I'm really worried about uh, like you know the laws of attraction and speaking about injuries <laughs> and bringing them out into the yeah. universe and all yeah. but like for uh, for the most part I've been uh, I've been pretty lucky like you know I've had I, I've had a couple injuries like early on in my career, which was just due to like inexperience. Like adapting, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like in the likes of break falls, I know. In, in the jiu-jitsu, a lot of the girls in the jiu-jitsu club are, are get injured because just they just haven't done sports and they're just not in yeah. touch with their muscles yet. Yeah. To, so when they're yeah. falling, they 
they like they fall like spazzes is the only way to put it. Like yeah. no normal person that has done a sport will fall that way. Yeah. And then exactly. they will. So Yeah. Um obviously like don't try this at home and all <laughs> <laughs> but um but like uh I find that most of the injuries happen through like the silliest little things, like you know. Mm-hmm. It's like just twisting the wrong way, like like a break fall, like I'm very rarely ever gonna get hurt, like knock on wood, like doing something that I'm in full control of. Because, yeah. like, I try to be, I'm a control freak, and everything that I do in the ring, I trust myself 100% before I'm gonna do it that I can do it, or if yeah. not, I won't even attempt it, you know. Yeah. And that's like how kind of meticulous I am about training and stuff like that, you know. You just have to re- repetition, 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 and uh. It's normally like s- once you step out of your comfort zone that the that the injuries happen, yeah, yeah. or like you know just like an accident working with someone new and they just like kind of clip you the wrong way or something. But uh, but I've been pr- pretty Good. lucky. Like I've nice. you know had a meniscus surgery clean up, had hernias, but like both hernias could have like that was you know that was just my body. It wasn't an injury itself. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. I had a hernia getting up after me Christmas dinner. <laughs> 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 Tough, tough going. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you kind of relocate then to NXT, which yeah. I don't know if everyone knows is the kind of performance center of WWE. It's kind of where you start and then you make your way up to, say, Raw, SmackDown. There was, like, again, like, you're, you're surrounding yourself with some legends of American pro wrestling. What, what was that like? You're like Dusty Rhodes, Billy Gunn, all yeah. these famous pro wrestlers, like. That yeah, was that pinch yourself moments again or it was real weird because uh, I had that last match in Japan you know covered in the in the paint and you know that was reality bites were filming that and like I flew the next day to the performance center in, in Orlando so like I didn't have time to kind of prepare myself for who was going to be there what I was walking into because I was so focused on like finishing in New Japan that I hadn't really thought about what I was going into the next day you know yeah. so uh, I fly to you know fly to Orlando they pick me up go to bed, whatever, they pick me up in the morning, take me to the performance centre, and I haven't done any prep work at all, of, like, who's going to be there, who the coaches are, like, of course I'm going to know them when I see them, but, like, I wasn't expecting to see Dusty Rose, and I see him, like, oh my god, nice <laughs> to meet you, sir, like, you know, and, like, you know, and, uh, you know, again, yeah, Billy Gunn was there, and, you know, I knew Matt Bloom was there, then Norman Smiley, Robbie Brookside, these are all guys like that, I'd been, uh, been idolising as a kid, you know, and now they're, I'm working with them as coaches, and and Terry Taylor as well, who's someone who's ha- had a huge kind of influence on kind of me adapting my style to fit into American style now, you know. And, and I believe, did, did you sign the same day or did you show up the same day as Kevin Owens? Is that the first time you met him? Uh, no, I'd met Kevin a couple times in passing um, in the UK and in America, but uh, we kind of arrived in the performance center the same week and uh, we kind of bonded very yeah. quickly just like kind of coming from the same background and kind of journeymen and kind of arriving at the same time kind of having to adapt to all the same kind of issues yes, <laughs> like yeah. working with this massive company you know yeah, both both aware of each other's work but yeah. never kind of had a proper conversation yeah yeah it's and crazy. then the, the two of you guys were going into well Kevin Allen's gone on to he's he did win the United States Championship didn't he Intercontinental the Intercontinental yeah. I'm sorry so, but the two of you would even feud on NXT is yeah so how was that a lot of fun then because obviously you just came here in the same week obviously you were bonded a little bit and then you kind of get to have this okay we get to build this now so how does that dynamic even come yeah together? it was weird because um we came into nxt and 
they had the, they had to sit out for like six weeks because they were afraid like you know there's a lot of adapting uh, you know to this environment that you're in and they didn't want us to kind of uh, basically they didn't want us to get injured like yeah. s- stupidly you know and I, it, I think it's a smart policy like you know all these new people come in and uh, just have them sit out kind of get to know everyone know their environment know their coaches and that and then uh, put them in the ring so like we're sitting at these shows in uh, in Florida in these armories and there's like maybe 150 people in the crowd and like we can't even get a match on the show you know <laughs> and me and Kevin are sitting in the back on like watching on the little monitor going man I just can't wait to wrestle like you know <laughs> what is going on and uh, like so we went through all this together for six weeks then we started wrestling and uh, you know then like the show started getting like better and better and all of a sudden there's more people coming and it went from like these small armories in uh, in the back end of Florida to like me and Kevin in Tokyo sold out 10,000 seats for the for the title you know yeah. mm-hmm. like it within about eight months and we're like what, what? <laughs> and then like a month later we're like in Brooklyn that's sold out too like and that this is just as NXT like you know so it's NXT in like Orlando Florida in front of 150 people when we started and like a year later we're in Brooklyn Barclays Center like 16,000 people sold out SummerSlam weekend SummerSlam weekend yeah yeah yeah, it was crazy there's so many the growth in the year like that NXT has had has been it's phenomenal isn't it like something something that they were just calling it like NXT performance center well I suppose it's still a performance center but now it's kind of like What's next year going to bring when you're selling out 15, 16,000 seater stadiums? And you're going on a tour of the UK, which I just finished. Well, yeah, we just finished a tour of the UK. I think we've done seven nights in a row. We sold 42,000 tickets, I think. And uh, and like we had Wembley sold out, like uh, uh, not sure, about 10,000 people like last week. That's amazing. Uh, it's unbelievable. There's yeah. some great footage um, of the Brooklyn event where you've just come back after your match uh, behind the curtain. And then there he is, the godfather of pro wrestling, Vince McMahon, just looking at you and going, "Well, <laughs> well like, what, like obviously that wasn't your first time meeting him, but like, what, what, what's it like when you first? What was that moment like, and what's it like meeting Vince McMahon for the first uh, time?" I've actually had very little interaction with uh, with Vince. You know, I've shook his hand twice, and uh, that was kind of the third the third interaction that I had with him. And when I came back into the gorilla position, which is it's called, you know, right behind the curtain, and uh, Triple H was waiting there. Obviously, he's he's the boss of NXT, and uh, you know, he just shook my hand and said, you know, well done. And I wasn't really aware that Vince was there or, or watching, and uh, and uh, he just came over and shook my hand and shook my hand and said, well done, kid. And that was it, you know. So Another <laughs> 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 kind of pinch yourself moment, like yeah, I heard yeah. crazy journey from yeah. Hammerlock to. Japan to Mexico and yeah. then you're topping off as yeah. kind of SummerSlam weekend but with 15,000 people yeah. essentially like I came back and um, everyone's making this big fuss but you'd, I can't really see the big deal now because I've went through this journey for 15 years and like I wouldn't expect myself to go out there now and do anything less than what I'd done you know so yeah. Yeah. it's the yeah. expectation you set yourself really yeah, but like, it's hard to explain because like, I'd not that I take it for granted that I'm gonna go out there and do it, but I've done it a lot, and um, I don't know any other way than yeah. just going out and doing what I do. And like, I don't know why people like it or, you know, why people don't like it, but 
I'm not going to change it. I'm just going to keep doing exactly the same yeah. stuff that I've been doing since I started. Yeah. And uh, for the most part, uh, it's it's been a success. So. Absolutely. Uh, What's it like for you now to come home and stuff? Is it is there fuss made up in Bray of you? Do you know what? It's real. Uh, it's the most surreal experience uh, I've had. Like you know, because like in Japan, I went to Jap- like I'd go to Japan. That was work, and yeah. I would you know I deal with all like the wrestling fans in Japan but when I came home it was kind of like a retreat to come yeah. home and then like being in America I was in America that's work so I'll deal with the wrestling fans there but um, I never ever had to deal with that in Ireland you know it was always kind of like come home and it was a little kind of secluded retreat that like no one would bother me and uh, it's, it's kind of weird now like walking down the street and like little kids come up to you and go ah oh, you're Finn Balor you know <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's cool and it just shows like the the reach that WWE has, like you know, on the platform that it gives you to like influence people, and uh, hopefully in a positive, like, yeah, in a positive I'd way. Yeah, you, know? you had a match with Seamus in the most recent Irish tour as well. That like little kids were raving about and yeah, two yeah. Irish lads squaring yeah. yeah. off. Dublin versus Wicklow. Yeah. <laughs> 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 two Irish lads baiting the head off each other yeah. in, the, in the tree arena. <laughs> when you got to WWE, there was already, uh, as I said, Seamus and. Uh, Becky Lynch, who who you've trained, mm-hmm. so what was it like, kind of, kind of hooking up with them, or you and Seamus had the the, the rivalry of <laughs> Irish Whip and uh, NWA <laughs> <laughs> yeah. territorial uh, it, it's dispute. Funny. It, it, it's funny that because Seamus was Irish Whip and I was NWA Ireland, but the both of us could almost see past that even in them days, where we would meet up and go for a cup of tea in town and just talk about. Uh, you know wrestling and the potential for like developing ourselves or getting better and me and him never had that kind of uh, competitive nature between the two of us it was always like how are we going to get better how are we going to like take the next step Mm. and uh, I could tell like from like back then like when I was 22 23 that like he he had the same kind of drive and ambition that I had and like that's we were much more bonded over that than we were driven apart by this like small yeah. uh, dispute between two little wrestling companies. Yeah, you know? territorial <laughs> yeah, dispute. Yeah. But it's gas that like going from that and then working together. Yeah, on the biggest pro wrestling company in the world. Like, yeah, it's just crazy. It's yeah. bizarre. No, yeah, we were we were uh, behind the curtain in in the tree arena that night, and uh, we just looked at each other and oh, jeez, like we've from cups of tea and like Cable Street to uh, <laughs> the sold out like yeah. three arena you know so it was uh, it was cool you know yeah. and you know he's been a he's been a great help he really has like you know and kind of giving me the, the lie of the land and you know uh, you know he's he's a unbelievable professional and like he's been going hard for a long time like you know and he's shown no signs of slowing down so he's, he's top man like yeah it's great now because all the like the the internet news sites are featuring you a lot now they're featuring yeah. Becky Lynch they're featuring uh, Finn Balor they're featuring Seamus as like news items you know yeah. Seamus becomes WWE champion for the fourth time two, three weeks ago and it's on Joe.ie <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's mad as well though because like when we were all growing up do you know what I mean we'd look at it and it was a case of kind of like there's no real Irish person there that you can look up to and kind of go yeah that's going to be me when we grow up or whatever do you know what I mean but now you've got yourself Seamus and even Becky Lynch then for young girls who are into pro wrestling and they're looking at it going they can do it why can't they you know it's amazing like because what the closest thing we would have got to Irish people like obviously Fifth Finley obviously was was involved when we were growing up and that kind of thing you've got 
a horn swoggle. <laughs> <laughs> but like, John you know I mean? would genuinely have got kind of a real core now that people can look at and go, yeah, it's achievable for and us. A, like a visual path that can be taken if if you've got the drive and the the vision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What what as well as we're running out of time now, and, and thanks very much for your time. Um, what's what's what do you hope 2016 brings? Um, I don't know. I'm very much uh, of the belief of just take one step at a time, you know. But hopefully, uh, positively influence kids in Ireland, especially into kind of believing in themselves and just following their dreams or just even like it doesn't matter what your dream is like you know if you want to be a postman go and start delivering papers you know like <laughs> yeah. because i i, no, I, yeah, re- I really believe uh, that th- there isn't enough kind of like positivity in in ireland's right now and yeah. like people just need to realize that like anything's possible you know and no matter what you want to do just take one step in the right direction and like i always say like to be a pro wrestler for me it was easy all it took was giving it absolutely everything and if you apply that to anything that you want to do you can do it you know it's a lovely message I love that yeah my brother also wanted to know have you met the Undertaker I have (laughs) and what what, what was that like it was was brilliant yeah uh, we had a long conversation about entrances actually oh Ah. because (coughs) just just to say uh, the internet went crazy um, wrestling fans <coughs> prior to Survivor Series The Undertaker came back and it was like The Undertaker against another faction uh, Undertaker Kane against four yeah. lads the Wyatt family and everyone's like oh who's Undertaker going to ask to help him is he going to ask Sting is he going to ask Finn and there was like all these makeshift posters yeah. of, of you and The Undertaker and Sting I was yeah. like jeez if this was to happen someone from Bray tag team with icon the of pro wrestling <laughs> it'd be just crazy like, yeah, what, talking about entrance because like, the two is like you, your entrance is becoming just crazy the yeah. fans just adore it yeah yeah it's you know, you got to make the most of every second that you have. Not only, like, in, in the ring, but in life. And if I'm going to, like, walk to the ring, I'm going to make sure everyone's watching me walk into the <laughs> ring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And, like, you know, that's when the show starts for me. Is like, literally, like, when I walk out the curtain, like, you know, I'm not waiting for the bell to go. So, uh, so that's, yeah. yeah, that's a message it's for, like, like upcoming wrestling. And was like he giving you advice on the entrance? Or just, like, or just uh, shooting the breeze? We were just shooting the breeze and, like, talking to pitching ideas back and forth about like going on cues and the music and feeling the music and it's it's not something that happens overnight you know you just really have to kind of adapt to it slowly you know and essentially you know the entrance then becomes natural you know what do you call him like do you call him mr taker or (laughs) (laughs) how you mark or yeah everyone just calls him taker yeah Yeah. did ever tell you about the just a tidbit randomly (laughs) at the time i half kind of met the undertaker <laughs> you half going to meet someone. Right, it was that. I kind of what you, you met were, his hips. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was uh, I kind of what number UFC it was. I went to LA to see. Uh, oh, you went to Lesnar. Lesnar Velasquez. Okay. And uh, in between fights, uh, I needed to run to the toilet, and uh, I went out and went to the toilet, and I'm at this uh, urinal, and. Uh, the, the, the golden rule when you're in it leave you know one. leave one and then next <laughs> one over and I was just a big bloke and I turned around then I was like <gasps> <laughs> 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 you don't like while he's you know at the time, you don't be like oh my god like you know what I mean but I was like oh my god that's the Undertaker 
<laughs> and I was like, oh my god, I'm just gonna choke slam somebody and look for his approval or something. <laughs> so, so I didn't like obviously shake hands in that situation, but like that was my half kind of deadly. Yeah, there mm. you go. So I was completely fanning out at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, who? So just because Grant said we're finishing up there, so. Uh, two kind of three quick fire questions in if there was one match that you had to kind of watch over and over again what match would it be? Um, oh, I think uh, The Rock versus Hulk Hogan at Wrestlemania yeah, was, a uh, was a classic that is a good one and Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart Iron Man match was oh. an absolute classic as well is that <laughs> That's the classic question, isn't it? And like there too, oh. that like stand the, the test of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah, like even till the, till this day, you know, because you might get like matches that kind of like blew you away more so, but like they they'll never get old, you know. Have you got yeah. any dream matches th- that you like down the road? Uh, I would obviously love to wrestle Shawn Michaels. That was kind of one of my heroes. I'm not sure if that's going to happen now. He's retired, yeah. but um, I would love to fight the Undertaker. Yeah. That's yeah. still, I mean, WrestleMania. That's still a possibility. Yeah. Too, that so. happens. We're not playing. Oh, fucking walk to where again. Two inches music. That would be unbelievable. That would be class. That and would Danny be wanted to ask uh, about. Yeah, just on on the Survivor Series now. There did Vince screw Brett. Oh, <laughs> Brett, Brett screwed Brett. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, actually. Yes. Uh, it, I think uh, I think Wrestling with Shadows is on Netflix right now, and um, yeah, me me brother-in-law, like, uh, you know, he's he's not a huge wrestling fan, but he kind of comes to see me all the time, yeah. and uh, like he was watching it, and he rings me, he goes, "Is this real? Like, I, I don't <laughs> can't understand if it's real or not." And I, I said, "Alan, honestly, I don't know if it was real either. I don't know what yeah. happened." And, it is. Yeah. It's it's the one that captivates everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Like it it's, is. It's, it's yeah. a great documentary. Like the the access that was given. Like yeah. without knowing what was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Or did they know what was going to exactly. happen? Exactly. You know. You just you just never know. It's courtesy terrorists. Either way, it's played out for the ages and brilliantly at that. But look, we're out of time. Fergal man, again, thanks so much for coming into us. Really, really appreciate that. Um, if people want to kind of check out on Twitter and that WWE. Baller, isn't it? Yep, yeah, WWE Baller. Deadly, and uh, you can obviously subscribe. To Finn Art now. has gone out of control, hasn't it? Finn Art is Actually on Instagram, has, yeah, yeah, Instagrams. The amount yeah. of them, and some of them are like unbelievable. Like. Yeah. That's the so Finn Art made the poster of you and Taker for Survivor Series yeah. and yeah. Sting. Yeah. It's, like, it's so humbling, like, because I was, again, like I was, what I was saying earlier on, like, I was the kid, like, in art class painting Stone Cold and The Rock, and now, like, like yeah. kids are painting me and also like any opportunity I have to like kind of encourage it uh, uh, really you, you, you know. painting Stone Cold and Stone Cold rings you <laughs> 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 that's amazing yeah. it is amazing um, of course you can always check out WWE Network if you want to watch any of this back catalog and all that kind of stuff as well WWE Network yeah. and that's yeah. where you get Finn every week on NXT yeah mm-hmm. exactly um, but yeah, I'm just. Oh, it's been deadly. Um, <laughs> has been deadly. If you uh, want to check out our previous stuff, we're not on WWE Network, but we are on <laughs> iTunes. So you can yeah. just hit WTS Pod in there or on any podcast directory at all. Just WTS Pod right there. We're at WTS Pod on Twitter. Um, and Graham is at Merrigan Mania. Lindsay's at Lindsay 
the Lindsay Doyle PT. Oh. Yeah. That's the first time I've ever tripped up over you, or one I normally stumble on his because no. of Tinder or Grinder or whatever he's on now. <laughs> 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 and, uh, I'm at Danjo and Murray, but look, until next week again, Fergal, thanks so much, man. Um, but we're done for now, so good night and God bless. Thanks for having us.